3: Chat Row trying to come up with a t- T-shirt, and uh, we gave them until the end of this week to vote on a T-shirt. I believe there's 10 different T-shirts. I just went back into the uh, control room, and I talked to Tyler, the moderator, who moderates the chat room, and he said Mario's in the crosshairs because Mario apparently put 10 T-shirts up, but he also put two T-shirts up that are basically the sh- same T-shirt it's just a different font style. So Mario screwed up the chat row T-shirt competition. Yes, Heaton? Well, here's the thing. I mean,
4: no matter what Mario did, something was going to be wrong with it. True. Right. And that's not really a statement on Mario, but more just people's sort of uh, expectations for things. Because if, if there say there was 16 submissions and 10 of them made it,
3: there's going to be some people that are upset. Yeah, but Mario put up basically the same T-shirt. Okay, <laughs> I know you have Mario's back there, Seaton. Is that stuffing yeah, the I'm ballot trying. box
5: or splitting the vote?
3: Because the same T-shirt is up there twice. No, each. no, he just screwed up. Oh, so we have to take one down. Well, the, actually, the, those votes will probably cancel each other out <laughs> since they're basically the same T-shirt. So, oh god. All right, so vote on it by Friday. We'll come up with the T-shirt for Chadrow. Tyler, I went back there, and you know how Tyler is. He can't say a mean thing about anybody. And, uh, you know, the big German goes, you're going to tell him? You're going to tell him? And I go, what? He goes, I can't tell you. And then the big German goes, oh, just tell him. Uh, Mario put up the same T-shirt, just a different <laughs> version of the same T-shirt, and he's getting killed. He's getting killed on chat row. But I don't know if it's, it's his <laughs> fault. And I go, Mar- or I, I said, Tyler, don't worry about it. I said, you know, I'm going to handle it with the professionalism you've come to expect on this program. (laughs) And that's why we called out Mario for screwing up again. Welcome to the final hour. We'll talk to the Pac-12 commissioner. Larry Scott will join us uh, coming up. Major League Baseball is sending a proposal to the Players Association today for restarting sometime in July. And a lot of things still up in the air health-wise. But baseball has another hurdle the proposal reportedly includes a 50 50 rev share for players and owners. And that translates to a salary cap, which baseball does not have. So you would think that this one season, you'd be able to come up with some kind of solution. So you could just come back and play baseball. If you know the history of major league baseball and its players association, it's union. It is not simple. I was around this with a couple of lockouts, strikes, and dealing with the baseball players' union. Nightmare! But that's what their job was and is, is to protect their players. Dealing with Donald Fear? Oh. But this is what they did. They were, you know, Marvin Miller created the Players Association, Uh, the the strength in that union. He should be in the Hall of Fame, um, posthumously, but You know, this is what they do. It's going to be the players versus the owners about how much money you're going to get paid. I know it doesn't look good, given what's going on and people out of work. But, you know, the the players want to get paid. And we always talk about the players taking a pay cut. You know, the owners, you might have to take a pay cut here, too. But it doesn't look good. But, you know, these financial situations, baseball makes a lot of money at the gate. And there's no fans that are going to be there. And as much as we want to watch baseball and other sports, we want to know that we're going to be safe when we go there. There's hurdles. There's safety hurdles, and then there's financial hurdles that baseball is going to have to navigate, and it's not going to be easy. McLovin, poll question. Are we going to change it up since Patrick Mahomes was the runaway winner?
2: Yeah, the first two hours was who will be the MVP. It was Mahomes and Jackson. I know your answer to this question, but I want to ask for baseball. Baseball has an 82-game schedule. Would you put an asterisk next to the champion? And I know you said that um, for NBA that it probably doesn't need an asterisk, and I agree. I don't think it needs an asterisk.
3: I, given what's happening this year, n- no. I I'm I'm fine if we just say that hey, you won it in the coronavirus year, the pandemic year. I mean, it, I'm okay with it. It's now the Astros. Have an asterisk by that. In my opinion, they have an asterisk by that. Red Sox don't, uh, but the Astros do. If LeBron wins the title this year, it's going to count as his fourth title, not his, you know, three and a half titles. It'll be a fourth title. No asterisk by that. If you're playing eight, if you're playing eighty-two and they're playing eighty-two, then it's all the same. It's going to be how you manage your pitching staff. Like all these different things. This is a unique situation. If that's the case, then I'd rather you didn't have a champion than to have a champion and have an asterisk by it. I don't think that's fair to the team that wins. Everybody has a level playing field. You're going to be dealing with the same scenarios for the most part. Travel is going to be limited. I'm okay if you don't have an asterisk. I, I think we'll have a footnote, and that's different than an asterisk. And if, if you look at this, the season itself gets the asterisk, not the team, because that's different. Yeah, McLovin.
2: Uh, I know you mentioned the baseball strike. Nobody puts an asterisk next to 81 when the Dodgers won. Because my Phillies blew it in the playoffs that year.
3: Nobody. No one. No, named and it I'm, f- it. I'm fine with it. Yeah. Like, who got the advantage there? No one. Yeah, so the season gets the asterisk. Not the team. And maybe that's semantics, but no, I I, I know what's going to happen. If the Lakers win, you're going to have these critics of LeBron saying, Yeah, well, what a full season there. That's not really four titles for you. That's nonsense. All right. Uh, so I teased that we were going to pick, we're going to have a snake draft for uh, NFL MVP. What is the order here? You pick. I pick. Do you want to go first or last? Uh, it, well, I, do I have to go first or last? I'll go last. I don't care. I mean, uh, I got a number between one and 50. Paulie. 24, 24. Ah, oh, that's the number I was going to take. Fritzy, <laughs> 37. 37. Ooh. McLevin. 12. 12. Seton. Uh, twenty-three. Ah, twenty-three. Now you got to pick another one. Okay, Uh, seven. Seven. It is. How about that?
5: You didn't? Did you write it down, or is it just in your head? No, because
3: I thought, well, (laughs) nobody's close. Well, (laughs) McLovin. Did you see how long this was going to (laughs) take? Yes, I went. Yeah, seven. Right. (laughs) Let's have a number draft. (laughs) It could have been between one and fifty, and Seton could have said fifty-two, and I said, "You're right." Yes. Um, Seton McLovin. Paulie, then Fritzy, Seton, and then me. All right, Seton. Okay. Your your first pick is Patrick Mahomes. Oh wow, <laughs> that's incredible, man! How did you do that? Yeah, yeah. how did you do that? Yeah, great.
2: <laughs> All right, McLovin. My pick is Tom Brady, and I'm calling it the Mike Evans effect. If he can make Johnny Manziel a Heisman winner, he can make Tom Brady an MVP again. All that's
3: right, polyester. Carson Wentz. Uh-huh. All right. Fritzl J. Uh,
6: I think I'm gonna steal one of yours, Deshaun Watson.
3: All right. I'm gonna take Russell Wilson Jr. the third. That's hot. And a motivated Aaron Rodgers. Ooh. He's really motivated because they drafted Jordan Love. Chip on his shoulder. Yeah. That'll it's hard to throw with a chip on your shoulder. I'm just saying. Uh who's I next? Fritzy? Yeah.
6: I'm going to grab Drew Brees. I think he still has something to prove and wants to get one more Super Bowl. Again. Thank you,
3: Todd. Uh, who's next? Paulie? Baker Mayfield. Oh, yeah, I like the long odds Baker, there. Like okay. Baker Mayfield. Uh, Baker. McLevin?
2: I'm going way off the board. Teddy Bridgewater. He's a Joe Brady as his coordinator oh, in Carolina. God. Saucy. That's not that saucy. It's always someone out of the blue like
3: that. No, that's saucy. I mean, that's crazy. That team's it's not that crazy. That team's not any good. That's a problem. I will say this, though. You did take a chance, and I like that. Seton O'Connor with the last pick in the NFL draft. Anybody take Lamar Jackson? Still on the board. Yep. All right, I'm taking him. Yep. That's it. I'm done. First Third and round. last pick, I got the top Third two. round of the... No, oh. no. Two. You said two rounds. Supplemental? Said, no, we're done. No, I'm good. Uh, Tua tonga Bailo agreed to his deal. Is he the first to agree to his deal, a, a rookie deal? That, that was kind of quick. Bought his parents an Escalade. Actually, his parents agreed to the deal.
4: Oh. <laughs> Careful.
3: <laughs> so, Tua, His parents said, we accept. Tua, Tua found out at the same time we did. Yeah. And Tua tonga he's probably watching oh. the bottom line. And Tua tonga has signed his rookie deal. Oh, and I Mom? bought a, a, an Escalade, yeah. too. Oh, wait. There you go. Uh son, you signed with the Dolphins, and you bought your mom an Escalade. So
5: his parents surprised him by giving <laughs> yeah. themselves an Escalade. Yeah. Yeah. He did look like he was more surprised than they were.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and his jersey sales are second, I think, behind Tom Brady. Yeah, McLevin.
2: I'm so confused, though. I mean, he comes from Alabama. Is there enough room in his garage for multiple Escalades? Wow. Wait, what? No.
3: Wait, what are you doing? <laughs>
2: That was not you. <laughs> Separate that from Dan Patrick. That
4: was.
3: I know, me. but where did that come <laughs> from? McClellan? it just
4: gave them one of his extra Escalades.
3: Wow. <laughs> McLeven, where did that come from? There are certain fan well, bases
4: just,
2: you don't want to go with. Well, you just think of fancy cars, that you immediately think of college recruitment and the SMU stuff, and you know, yeah, usually you buy a house for somebody, not a car.
3: Remember when I came back from? I f- uh, I think I was. I was on the road with Hooting the Blowfish this past year and I remember we were talking to some people. They were going to a football game and they told us that a, a certain former player used to pull up to the restaurant and just park his car. There was no parking in front. He would just park his car in front of this restaurant and he would just he would leave it running. And then he like he he basically did whatever he wanted to do, had this Beautiful car in school colors. Everybody knew it was his car. I don't need to say any names, but yeah, it was just like he pulled up and everybody knew that it was his car. It might have had a vanity license plate, too, with his jersey number. Yeah, McLevin.
2: Did you have a college teammate who got a car? I mean, He got a so- used
3: car. That's how bad my college basketball team was. <laughs> like one of the guys, the, re- the freshman uh, who came in, he got a used car. And I went, these are probably the cars that the Kentucky basketball players got, and then they moved to their second car, and then maybe there was just a, a like a secondary car lot that went to you know basketball recruits. Like the Kentucky basketball players probably got nice cars. Where I went to school at Eastern Kentucky, I remember that one of these guys showed up. It was like a a Monte a used Monte, Monte Carlo. <laughs> oh, we were big time there. Woo. Uh, Tommy in Alabama joins us. Hey, Tommy, what do you have for me? Hey, Tom. Hey, Tom. Oh, hey, Tom. Brian in Texas joins us. Morning, D.P. Danette. Hi, Brian. Hi there. Hey, I was just going to comment on the value of the Jordan tennis shoes. Okay. And how Seton said the Kurt Cobain guitar went for like around a million dollars. Yeah. Well, you know that whenever the artist or whoever dies, the value of that just skyrockets.
0: So if you bought those Jordan shoes now, age dependent, dot, 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 do the math. You could easily double, maybe triple your investment.
3: Yeah. Kind of a morbid thought though. Thank you, Brian. Hey, Let's make an investment and then wait for Michael Jordan to die. You know, people will do that in the art world. They will buy art with somebody who gets up there in age, knowing that when they die, that your investment probably doubles. But you, you, it's kind of a weird science they have of following. Like, how old is How is he in good health? They're going, oh, all right. That's kind of weird. Peter in Virginia joins us. Hey, Pete, what do you have for me today?
0: Hello, gentlemen. Good morning. Good,
3: good afternoon.
1: Morning. 6'4", a frisky 270. Uh, I have a different take on this whole LeBron asterisk thing. Yeah. What if Kevin
7: Durant comes back, Kyrie comes back, and they win the championship when Kevin Durant wasn't even supposed to play this season? Do they get an asterisk? Because the season got extended. But I do think if it does come back and everybody is healthy, It'll be a great end to the basketball season. I'll shut up and listen. All right. You guys- well,
3: thank you, Peter. Uh, Kevin Durant's not coming back to play. Just letting you know. He's not coming back. Kyrie, okay. Kevin, no. Not going to happen. I I don't... The season gets the asterisk, not not the team. Whoever wins, I'm fine with that. Because t- who got an advantage here? Now, you could say, well, Brooklyn got an advantage because, you know... the the season continues, and uh, Kevin Durant has been out this whole time. All right, if that was the case, then maybe you would look at that and go, all right, we'll put an asterisk by it, because they benefited from the season not you know, taking place, and Kevin Durant wasn't playing. Uh, but Kevin Durant's not coming back. Yeah, Paul?
5: I have a wild MVP stat for you. You want it? Well. It's saucy. Yeah. Russell Wilson has never received a single MVP vote during his career. Not one in seven years.
3: He will this year.
5: There's a lot of people who have gotten votes. His teammate Bobby Wagner got a vote. Dak Prescott, Carson Wentz, Romo. Tony
3: Dungy voted for Bobby Wagner, I think, for MVP. That sounds right. I think so. Yeah, I was going to ask you, if, how many times has Russ finished in the top five for the MVP?
5: I don't think he's ever finished in any. Uh, not not first place votes. I don't know, second, third place votes. Yeah. We're checking the voting, but uh never gotten a first place vote.
3: Wow. Yeah, McLovin.
2: Even last year, remember everybody had him in second for MVP right behind Lamar? Yeah. I think we talked about it. He had an amazing year. I thought he was in the MVP combo big time last well, year.
3: Well, what happened is Russ was great and then Lamar took over. And then he left everybody in his wake. I think that's what happened. I am shocked that I. I think it it could be geographical bias with Russ, you know, being in Seattle and and you know every time we watch a game there we're like oh what great atmosphere and then you sort of forget about the Seahawks. If if they were in a in a bigger media market then maybe Russ would get. If he was playing in L.A. doing what he's doing then I think it would be different. But you know he might go his entire career uh you know being underrated. He, he he's going to be a Hall of Famer, but I I find that amazing that he hasn't received a first place MVP vote. Unless you got well, Mahomes was unanimous, wasn't he? I th- I think both Lamar
5: and, and Mahomes may have been unanimous.
3: Yeah, well that'll hurt, that'll hurt you when it comes to getting an MVP vote. And maybe 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 he, he gets he gets some love this year. Maybe. Yeah, Paul.
5: Yes, uh, Jackson received every vote and was a second straight unanimous winner and second
3: ever. Okay. Hmm. But never a vote. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, McLeod.
2: Well, it sounds like they don't have second place votes, so that sort of by by nature kind of screws up the whole thing.
3: But having one first place vote. like yeah. I, I'm just saying a first place vote. Paulie was talking about he hasn't received any consideration there. But I'd like to know, has he ever, you know, all those other years when you had other MVPs, he didn't even get one vote. But how many people vote on the MVP? I have 50. Okay. So those are the pro football writers? Yeah, it's usually out of 50 votes, basically. Okay. It's like McLevin
5: said, it's all or nothing. You either get MVP vote or you don't.
3: Man. All right. Well, that's a, our campaign is to get Russell Wilson Jr., the third, an MVP. It's vote about time
5: sure. that guy caught a break. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right,
3: we'll take a break. We'll talk to the commissioner of the Pac 12, Larry Scott. He'll join us coming up next. It's 19 after the hour. This is The Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to The Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for The Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com. Or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR.
5: If I could eat bacon for every meal, I think I would. I don't think I would. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, brunch. My love for bacon is no joke. My wife, who I love as much as bacon, says I would even put bacon in cereal if I could.
4: You know, I thought that I knew what good bacon was. Uh, Turns out, nope, I was wrong. Hmm. Because then I tried right brand bacon, and honestly, I was speechless. And you know it takes a lot to get me speechless, Paulie, but it was mind-blowing how good it was. And now here I am, a man that's been eating bacon, His whole life, like it's his job, and I've never tried bacon like this before.
5: We're talking about number one, thick cut, flip your whole world upside down bacon, man.
4: Everything from the thickness of it to how it's actually real wood smoked just makes it taste unbelievable. It's really indescribable. I can't do it justice, and you should really just try it for yourself.
5: Yeah, don't be average. You're better than that. Do yourself a favor and get some right brand bacon in you. I'm getting upset. Experience bacon the right way. Right brand bacon.
0: Terms and conditions apply.
3: More phone calls coming up. So we're Mike Vrabel. Mike Titans will join us coming up tomorrow on the program. He's Larry Scott, the PAC-12 commissioner, which I believe he's been in uh, that office since 2009. Kind enough to join us. Good morning, Commissioner. How are you?
7: I'm doing well, Dan. Good to be with you. Um,
3: Where do we stand with what is real and not real as far as contingency plans of and the reason why I say this, and I, I preface this: the NFL owners were told, "Don't talk about hypotheticals." Have you know? Are you telling coaches, "Let's not have hypotheticals with the Pac-12 and what we can think will be football in the fall"? We
7: we just. Got out of a week of meetings with our football coaches, and one of the key things we were discussing is scenario planning. I think it's top of mind for everyone. Yeah, um, we are we are planning a full season, planning to start on time, but um, you know it's so unpredictable what's going to happen, and so uh, we're spending a lot of time not only within our league but with our peers in the other conferences, thinking about what does Plan B, C, D, and E look like. I mean, everyone um, is feeling some optimism at the moment. Uh, you know. Plan A, for sure, is starting the season on time, getting a full season, um, and uh, that's what we're working toward. But uh, for sure, we've discussed other other options, um, and uh, we'll, we'll be ready uh, if we need to move to those.
3: How often do you talk to the other commissioners?
7: Well, we've actually been on the phone every morning, uh, morning for me on the West Coast, uh, since this really started escalating back in March and we had to shut down our basketball tournaments we all um, you know, jumped into coordinating what we were gonna do as we realized this pandemic uh, was escalating quickly and it could impact our basketball tournament. So we started a process um, that second week in March. I was in Las Vegas at our basketball tournament there and we were all trying to calibrate. And in a period of 24 hours, it's surreal. Um, we went from, okay, we're starting our tournaments on time on Tuesday, I think we may get through this, to later in the day, we connected and say we might have to you know, eliminate fans, to the next morning, uh, all deciding we're canceling our tournaments completely. That was after we saw what happened to Rudy Gobert the night before. Uh, woke up that next morning on Wednesday, having spoken to my presidents and athletics directors, said to my fellow commissioners, could you imagine if that happened at a college basketball tournament? You saw one of our student-athletes kind of visibly ill and kind of escorted off, off the court. We've got a responsibility to shut this down right now. Since that time, every single weekday, uh, we've been on a phone call talking about a uh, plethora of issues we've had to deal with in terms of the shutdown. Now, how are we dealing with our student athletes in a virtual world, and what is coming back look like on, on what pace? And in college, you know, there's not one decision maker. Especially when it comes to football, we all work together on the college football playoff, uh, the season, non-conference games, bowls, neutral site games. So, you know, it requires an extraordinary level of coordination.
3: If a Pac-12 school can't have students on campus, can they play football?
7: Uh, I, don't, I don't believe we're going to play football if students can't be brought back safely to campus. I don't think we're gonna treat student athletes or football players as some special class. I don't think we've got the ability to quarantine them and put them in a bubble the way some pro sports might. Um, Now, what do students coming back to campus mean? It might mean different things for different schools. I've been in touch with all of our university presidents and they're all working through their own scenarios, but it's not gonna be, uh, the new normal is not gonna be the old normal. I think there's going to be hybrid situations uh, in all likelihood in terms of class size. Maybe it's not all students coming back at once, but I do believe student athletes will be amongst the earliest groups to uh, be allowed to come back.
3: What I was told a couple of weeks ago by a source was that you're going to see football when it does come back, that the conferences are just going to be playing conference games. And it was probably going to be a 10 game schedule. Now you might get one outlier where, Ohio State plays Ohio University or something that's regional there. Uh, How does that jive with what you've been told?
7: Well, I can tell you anyone that's telling you now sitting here in the middle of May what it's going to be and they're giving you the inside scoop isn't a very good source because I'm the one having the conversations with our peer conferences and our presidents and we don't know.
3: But has that been discussed just what I told you?
7: Absolutely. That's that's a
3: scenario. You know,
7: if we can't play a full season, um, and get the full 12 weeks plus the postseason, that would be a natural abbreviated season. Okay. You know, you could move to conference only. For us, that would be nine games. And uh yes, as you know, as I mentioned, we got multiple scenarios. That's not what we're planning on, but that's always an option. That would that would be the easiest default option, right? That's what you know schools can control. And frankly, that's the priority. our schools like playing each other. But uh, uh, you know, at the moment, uh we're plan on the full season.
3: Yeah, well, that once again, my source is saying that if when college football comes back, this is what he was told that it's going to look like. You're going to have conferences playing conference games and maybe one game outside. Um, also, could you see a scenario where not every school is back? Not every school takes part in a college football season.
7: Yeah, of course, that's possible. Each you know, president and chancellor or board of trustees you know, will make that ultimate decision for themselves, but um, we've always, as a league and collectively as the five big conferences and, and beyond, um, moved together. And um, you know, there's a that's the bias everyone's got. We want to try to get a full season. If we're going to get a full football season, there's you know three weeks of non-conference games, which requires collective action. There are bowl games, the college football playoff. Uh, is governed by the 10 conferences uh, plus Notre Dame. So we have to work together if we're going to get a full season. And it's my expectation in our league. We've always made joint decisions about how we shut down. I think we're going to make joint decisions about how we, um, you know, ramp back up and play.
3: And I'm wondering who tells you, you know, is it the White House that goes down to the governors? Is it the NCAA? Is it chancellors, presidents? Like, is there a pecking order here, Commissioner?
7: Yeah, well, uh, yes, we all have higher authorities that we uh, report <laughs> to, whether it's at home or at work. Um, but uh, yeah, in this case, it's, it's actually a complicated rubric of uh, you know how decisions get made. I mean, at the end of the day, public health authorities will decide what, what it appears to me at the moment. I've been on call with the vice president uh, you know, as he's tried to figure out the implications uh, for college football with my peers, uh, with governor's offices and all that. It, it appears at the moment that these decisions have really been delegated to the states and counties, that public health officials will have the ultimate say about return um, to work uh, scenarios, and that's kind of where we fit in. It's also clear that um, you know decisions will be different about when it's okay to play versus the whole issue of when fans yeah. can come to the stadium. I think those things are getting a little bit conflated. Um, but, you know, I think the the you know the NFL has felt confident they could announce their schedule and that they're intending to play. MLB yesterday has obviously felt comfortable they could announce they're gonna start in July, if I understood it right. And, um, you know, I think if we get to the point where we're announced we're intending to start, uh, we would have a level of comfort with the discussions we've had directly and through our schools with public health officials, that they feel comfortable we've got the protocols in place. And and that's, uh, you know, also, um, Probably not getting as much uh, discussion uh, out there as it as it deserves. I'm spending as much time with medical experts as I am with our coaches, athletics directors, and presidents right now. And one of the you know the few advantages that college has you know if you think about schools in our conference UCLA, Stanford, Washington we got some of the leading university hospitals and medical schools in the country. So we've got a world-class medical advisory board working on this (laughs) with us and for us, not just our uh, sports doctors and trainers, but I've got heads of the infectious disease departments at some of these leading schools in the country on an advisory board, helping us write these protocols. These are the same people that are advising the white house that are advising governors that are advising, uh, other public health officials. So I feel confident that we're going to be, you know, kind of at the forefront of the health and safety protocols for for our student athletes. Um, and and hopefully, when if we think we're ready, that'll bring some comfort to the governors and the other public health officials that ultimately have to give us the green light.
3: He's Larry Scott, Pac-12 commissioner. Before that, a pretty good tennis player. Uh, the best player you ever played against was who, Larry?
7: Uh, John McEnroe. He was. um, I I grew up in New York and Long Island, and uh, uh, he was a a, a sparring partner, or uh, I was his sparring partner, I should say. That was always a lot of fun. Um, You know, in an actual match, probably Andre Agassi. Um, Probably the best win I ever had was in a doubles uh, match against him. he happened to have been 15 years old at the time and I, I
3: was 19. it's okay you didn't have hey. to throw that in it's okay no, the, the, it's the a w <laughs> book, yeah
7: the record book doesn't show his age so uh yeah
3: it's a so, w uh I did mackenroe ever yelling at you
7: oh yeah he was um you know his persona <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm having fun a little bit watching the last dance as you guys probably are and just and I'm, I'm thinking back about John and Yvonne Lendl, another guy I used to hit with. And there's something about these, these superstars in terms of the mindset, the mentality. And we've all kind of celebrated the Mamba mentality. And when I think about tennis, I think about guys like, you know, John Mackerel, Jimmy Connors, um, uh, Lendl, you know, the singular focus, uh, uh, perfection and getting the most out of themselves and this kind of unrelenting uh, desire to, to win and, and, and compete at everything that they would do. And I see some really fascinating uh, similarities with these athletes
3: that become elite in whatever sport it is. Yeah. But you know what? You're trapped by yourself. There is greatness. but, But those people, they're like Michael Jordan is trapped by Michael Jordan. Like he can't get out of this. We can turn the channel. We can go on with our life. Mike stays in this world. McEnroe stays in that world. Pete Sampras in that world. And that's something that people forget about. We can escape. They can't escape themselves.
7: Well, this, uh, you know, genius. I think in this world, whether it's in sports and otherwise, requires a type of singular focus, and you know, being on a certain end of the spectrum that we, uh, does, doesn't always
3: you know make you the most well-rounded. We got to spruce up your office, though. That's not your man cave, is it?
7: it? It's a section of my man cave. My kids. I've got three teenagers at home during this quarantine. And they've taken over my man cave where I watch games <laughs> when I'm not traveling. It's now a PlayStation and game, gaming center. So, so I'm pigeonholed here in this little corner of the man cave.
3: Yeah, we got to spruce that up, though, Commissioner. Got to spruce it up a little bit. Send me some stuff. <laughs> yeah, put it in my background. <laughs> uh, hey, good luck with this. We appreciate your time. Thank you, Larry.
7: Thanks, Dan. Good to see you. Guys.
3: That's uh, Larry Scott, Pac-12 Commissioner. Uh, I think he went to Harvard, right, Paulie? Is that right? Sure did.
7: Yeah,
3: yeah. That seems like a really, really
5: good. Like if you talk about. Best, Tennis at Harvard? No, the best sports oh. gigs, being a commissioner of a conference in oh. college football. Oh, oh. A lot of golf, a lot of good meals. You get to travel every weekend to see games. Mm. That's a good gig. If you that's as good of a gig as there is in sports without
3: playing sports. Well, I think if I'm the SEC commissioner, I feel that way.
5: Just about any. But like if you're if you're um, a Pac-12 commissioner you're like, "Hun, I got to run down to USC UCLA this weekend. I I got to work." You know, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. If you're the SEC commissioner, Auburn, Alabama, hmm. got to go. <laughs> LSU's
3: hosting, whatever. Yeah, but sometimes you have to go, and you don't want to go. Like The
5: day I get sick of an SEC tailgate. Because mm. that's can- when
3: the,
4: the Big Ten commissioner is like, oh, Rutgers? Yeah. Yes. All right. Yeah, good point. Well, yeah.
3: Okay. Not every week's a winner. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Too, yeah. Touche. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's close to New York. Yeah. Rutgers. <laughs> no offense. Yeah. I like how I ripped my source, my source already responded by saying <laughs> some choice words like, "No, I know what I'm talking about." Yeah. If if we have college football, I think that's what we're having. I just think it's it's going to be conference-based where there's going to be 10 games. Now, these are the things I I'm I'm telling you that, that, you know, my things in real time. So when my source said this is what's being discussed, it's not that is what's going to happen, this is what's being discussed because something could change where football doesn't get started until December or football gets started on time, or it's just, Hey, we resume our regularly scheduled program. What I was told is this is what was being discussed. When I told you this last week, this is what was being discussed 10 games. And maybe you would have one non-conference game there. You could travel by bus. That's what I was told that these are the things. And then the commissioner did say, yes, that has been discussed. So, although he kind of said, yeah, but that's kind of, Common sense, basically. That that's what we would do. All right, uh, we'll take a break here. Last call for phone calls. We'll close up shop. Uh, Franciasso, Mike Vrabel is on tomorrow.
6: Mike Vrabel's on tomorrow. Okay. And Nick Nurse is on Thursday.
3: Oh, my Raptors head coach. with the Raptors coach. He was good last time we had Nick Nurse on. It does like that. Doesn't sound like a real name, right? Nick Nurse it does not. But I don't know what it's. Uh, it's not a TV name. But I'm trying to think. When you say Nick Nurse, like that'd be Scrubs, right? Like somebody would be Nick Nurse in Scrubs. Nicholas David Nurse. Yeah. Uh, we do have a winner on Fritzy's scoreboard challenge. It's 14 and 8. Uh, Darren in Saskatchewan. We're big in Saskatchewan. Huge. All right. Um, do you want to give me a, I'm going to guess 14 is Ernie Banks.
6: Why do you say that?
3: Well, because he's fourteen in play of the day, it is five hundredth home run on this day.
6: Doesn't mean that doesn't mean the play of the day syncs up with my scoreboard. I, am I and wrong? Didn't give me a chance
3: to do my clue. Okay, do your clue. You're not wrong. And I've been told you don't have a clue. Banks are open.
6: <laughs> <laughs> I had. He brings the sunshine for a doubleheader. I thought that
3: was a let's fun play clue. two.
6: Because he was nicknamed Mister Sunshine along with Mister Cub, and you're right. He said that let's play two. I he never heard
3: Mister Sunshine.
6: Yeah, that's a second nickname for. Oh, really? Banks.
3: Okay. That? Okay. So and
6: eight. What do you got?
3: Uh, Paulie, what do you have this day in sports history that might relate (laughs) to eight? Uh, someone ate something
5: this day in sports history. The
6: the clue is it ain't over. It was just the beginning. It ain't over. It was just the beginning.
5: Uh... Did you hear that? It involves a Jersey
6: number, a baseball Jersey number. It ain't over. Yogi Berra. just the beginning. Yogi Berra was born May 12th, 1925. One of his yogiisms, hmm. it ain't over until it's over. And just the beginning, he was born. All
3: right. Oh, well, that's great. 14 years. Uh, our, our good friend, Tom Hofarth, uh, reminded me, Marvin Miller got in, uh, elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame, but the ceremonies have been uh, postponed. So he will go in in 2021. So thank you, Tom, for uh, keeping me straight there. Marvin going in posthumously. I got the posthumously right. I just didn't get the... Uh... Oh, and Mario's complaining about Chat Row. Mario says, Chat Row continues to prove their reputation as crybabies. Uh, no offense, of course. Um, the t-shirts are not the same. Different font, different color. Uh, the fanettes. So, Mario is... He, he's not going to win this, but he just wants to give his side of this. All right, we'll take a break. Last call for phone calls. We'll close up shop after this from the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at youtube.com slash the Dan Patrick Show.
5: If I could eat bacon for every meal, I think I would. I don't think I would. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, brunch. My love for bacon is no joke. My wife, who I love as much as bacon, says I would even put bacon in cereal if I could.
4: You know, I thought that I knew what good bacon was. Uh, Turns out, nope, I was wrong. Hmm. Because then I tried right-brand bacon, and honestly, I was speechless. And you know it takes a lot to get me speechless, Paulie, but it was mind-blowing how good it was. And now here I am, a man that's been eating bacon- His whole life, like it's his job, and I've never tried bacon like this before.
5: We're talking about number one, thick-cut, flip-your-whole-world-upside-down bacon, man.
4: Everything from the thickness of it to how it's actually real wood smoked just makes it taste unbelievable. It's really indescribable. I can't do it justice, and you should really just try it for yourself.
5: Yeah, don't be average. You're better than that. Do yourself a favor and get some right-brand bacon in you. I'm getting upset. Experience bacon the right way. Right-brand bacon. There's no
7: distance
0: too far for the perfect trip. (laughs) Terms and conditions apply.
3: This day in sports history, Fritzi already touched on Ernie Banks, hit his 500th home run on this day. He mentioned Yogi Berra. Yogi was born, he would have been 95 today. One of six players to win the MVP in the American League three times. Mantle, A-Rod, Trout. Let's see. When he retired, Berra held the records for most plate appearances, most hits, home runs, runs, RBIs by a catcher, based on primary career position. I'm going to ask the Danettes, Yogi Berra's given first name. Todd, start with you. Thaddeus. Thaddeus is wrong. Thaddeus Barra. McLovin. Lawrence. That's good. That's right. Larry Berra. Yeah, Paul. Lawrence. Yes, you got it. Nice. Got it. I was going to say Lawrence. Oh, you're right. Yeah. It's Lawrence Thaddeus Barra.
2: How'd you know that, Andrew? I did a big project with Yogi. Uh, I think I told you guys about this. I did a thing called Yogi in the movie in my previous career. And he told me, he came in one day and said, you're not going to believe this. I went to a bar mitzvah last night. They they asked the four questions and we ate matzah. And I was like, that sounds like a Seder, Yogi. He's like, it went on for its half hour about this great bar mitzvah.
3: You didn't want to stop him. He's on a roll. He was a very nice. Did you get to be around him at all or his kids? I, I was around, uh, yeah, Dale Barra. But, uh, yeah, I, I was around Yogi uh, just a little bit when he was with the Yankees um, back in the 90s. Yeah, Fritzy.
6: And what was the drink he used to uh, pitch? A beverage that still exists, but it's kind of tough to find sometimes in the supermarket. I don't know. Yoo-hoo.
3: Oh, right up your Big alley. yoo guy. You yeah, still drink are. Yoo-hoo, don't you?
6: I haven't had one in a while, but if I see one, I, I'll grab mm, a you.
3: Yeah, you got to do I'm that. I am try if you could only have one, I give you a pair of Michael Jordan shoes from any NBA Finals that he won, a red shirt from Tiger from a major win, or Tom Brady jersey or any of his from any of his Super Bowls. Todd, i will start with you.
6: I'm going to grab Jordan's shoes, and I don't even think it's a close second.
3: All right, McLovin.
6: Is it last year's Masters
2: with Tiger? Because okay. that one,
3: I'll take that.
5: I okay. take a red shirt.
3: Okay, Seton. I'm taking the Jordans, okay, Paul. I'm going Tiger.
5: I don't think there's that many of them out there. I don't think he gave them out. I think Jordans you could probably find. People had them, the shoes.
3: Well, there's only six pair. Yeah, yeah Tiger Tiger's has, got one. F- Fifteen. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going Jordan. Yeah, I'm going Jordan. I'm I, overthinking this. I, I, to me, it's a no-brainer. It's Jordan shoes from yeah. the last yeah. championship. Richie, did you call for Tim Hallam, the uh, Bulls' former We did. Guy? Not heard, he's been a little <laughs> elusive. Hiding,
6: he's hiding with his shoes uh, in the basement.
3: Uh, Tony in Utah. Hey, Tony. Hey, how you doing? Good, Five, Tony. Nine, yeah.
2: Okay, so you guys were talking about what you'd take. I would take the Jordan shoes also. Okay, got a buddy who is the ball boy for the Jazz who gave the applesauce and graham crackers to Michael. All he wanted was the shoes after, so he grabbed them kept them uh, years go by starts having a family needs a down payment for a house so he throws them on the internet one night goes to sleep wakes up over a hundred grand
3: so he sold those shoes was that the night the flu game with jordan the flu game and he got a hundred grand for those shoes over a hundred grand, a hundred grand. All right. Well, thank you, Tony. Yeah, Paul, I can confirm those shoes sold for $107,000. Well, the flu. Yeah. I, I, I almost swore that Tim has all of his, the shoes pairs of shoes when Michael won the championship. If he doesn't have them, then <laughs> he's got some explaining to do, or maybe I do as well. Uh, This day in sports history, Paul. 1982, a great day. The USFL was formed. A couple Mm. years later, not so good.
5: 1985, the New York Knicks won the first NBA draft lottery, led to Patrick Ewing. Ewing. 97, Larry Bird was announced as the new head coach of the Indiana Pacers. And just a year later, Larry Bird was named rookie, uh, as a rookie head coach, was named NBA coach of the year. 1998, Mark McGuire hit a 527-foot home run at Bush Stadium, longest home run in the history of the stadium, Mm. 1998.
3: Okay go around the room what we learned on the program i'll start back left with uh pack 12 suck up fritzy wearing his <laughs> cow shirt <laughs>
6: Paul, paulie says don't sleep on baker mayfield when discussing nfl mvp candidates
3: well it's either going to be it feels like it's going to be really good or really bad for baker like hey he was great or uh-oh McLovin.
2: sam smith longtime bulls reporter said that bill cartwright had 15 fingers <laughs> don't throw it to him <laughs>
3: According to Jordan, Michael Jordan said, don't throw it to him. He's got 15 fingers, which is factually incorrect. Yeah, I checked. You did. I called. How many fingers does Bill Cartwright have? He said 10. Oh, okay. But
5: again, it wasn't in
3: person. Yeah. Yeah, that, I thought Sam had a couple of funny lines though. The one where he said, you know, the documentary, it's based on a true story. That was, that was sneaky good. Paulie, what did you learn on today's program?
5: I learned that uh, Jim Harbaugh wants threw the ball 65 yards in a throwing contest.
3: Yeah, and far threw it 75 yards. I was always told Randall Cunningham had the strongest arm of anybody who played the position, that he could throw it, whatever, 85 yards or something crazy. Now, there might I don't know what Mahomes can throw it, but I'm going to guess you get to... And, and it's not important how far you can throw it. It's how well you throw it and who you throw it to. <laughs> Jameis Winston might have a hell of an arm, but it's who you throw it to that matters a little bit there. Todd, what did I learn on today's award-winning program?
6: Russell Wilson never received an NFL MVP vote. That's ridiculous.
3: Yeah, it is. I'm surprised. But if we've had the last two have been unanimous, has Russell put up MVP-like numbers in other seasons there? He's been great. He's my pick this year. What We Learned brought to you by Traeger. It's a uh, happy Traeger Day this weekend on Saturday. Traeger's Woodfire Grills make it easy to incred- uh, make a credible flavor, whether it's barbecuing, brisket, baking bread. Join the community today. Contact your local dealer. Head to slash DP Show. Thanks for joining us. We'll do it again tomorrow here on The Dan Patrick Show. One more item as we close out the show. Every game day deserves delicious snacks, regardless of when that game actually was played. You fire up. At bed 365 we don't do ordinary.
0: We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.